This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Guess what's in store? Life After Lemons. The podcast with Paul Cook. This is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. If you ever stop listening to The Paul Cook Show. Life After Lemons. I am coming for you. Academy Award right here. (laughs) For the past 20 years, I've been fascinated with discovering ways for people to overcome obstacles. Then my wife and I both were diagnosed with different advanced cases of cancer here in our 40s. Life After Lemons. So I cannot wait to work together with you and my my compelling guests to seek and share examples of rare victory right here on this podcast every time you click on a new episode life after lemons the podcast with paul cook <laughs> i think so that you might be one who believes there are no coincidences or you at least know the flaw in everything's a coincidence the definition of coincidence A remarkable occurrence of events or circumstances without apparent casual connection. Casual connection. What about a deeper connection or meaning? I think we all have some of those where like, no way that is happening. Did that? No way. That was me being an actor. (laughs) Anyway, this podcast is about the fallacy that is in some coincidences and The stories that make them up. Two of them, in fact, that I think are really cool and memorable. One from me and another from my guest, Clint Hamill from Gateway Foundation. Incredible. You must hear what he gathered from his coincidence. But my book, Cooked in L.A., is just past its 10-year anniversary I'm so proud to have written it and that it got published. I'm not too gleeful about some of the details in the book, but you got to share the low stuff in order to go high. You'll even hear that from Clint Hamill, my guest. We're going to have a little audiobook theme. I'm going to read for you a coincidence that people mention to me the most, and they say, there are no coincidences. I won't go on and on, but I want to read that excerpt. And also, get ready for my interview with Clint Hamill. If you know anyone struggling with substances, this is the podcast. And who isn't during quarantine? They say it's way up. People that were not alcoholic before are starting to face that reality. Because of all the time on our hands and all of the uncertainty. Totally understandable. We want to help you find recovery and love. And that's what this episode of Life After Lemons is all about. 
a little bit of background before the reading. When you're in the depths of your alcoholism, you really just want to be left alone, right? You don't want to be bothered or reminded, but God has a way of bringing people around you, and that's another coincidence that I don't know if you can just explain away as a casual happening. One of my big drinking buddies in high school was Johnny, and Johnny realized he was an alcoholic much sooner than I did. He actually found recovery in his early 20s, and uh, I always thought, wow, that's pretty amazing, and stay away from me. But throughout my last six months of drinking, he kept popping up here and there. Maybe it was Breadco or just somewhere where I'd be at a restaurant or at the movie theater. Even when I was in L.A., we had a conversation on the phone. He said, it doesn't have to be this hard. My way is actually the easier way to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Johnny always said, I must keep intersecting with you for a reason. Uh-huh. Well, the thing was, he got a good job in Kansas City and moved away. Great for him. Great for me at the time. I don't have to keep running into this guy in this huge city of St. Louis. At least he's now in Kansas City. The reading starts after another long night drinking and everything else. After promising my wife I would stop. Back home after that, really late middle of the night. I stare, drenched in bar smoke. Ears loudly ringing in the silence. Where have I been? I know I try to act like the good husband, but I am incapable of true consistency. I will probably always be this way. A trite thought of self-pity hits me. Maybe she'll be better off without me. Through all of this, intense thoughts of suicide have not really percolated to the top of my sick brain. But that sure is one way of stopping this roller coaster. Of course, grow up, Paul! I hear stadiums of people shouting at me. Early the next morning, Jen needs to drive me back to the club to get my car because I was too messed up and scared to drive. I know that a night like this night causes worry and concern for her. On the awkward drive to get my car, I lightly salt in some inquiries to see where she is on the subject of me. Stepping away from the book, here comes awkward Paul reading dialogue for two different people time. Back to it. So how are you feeling? Fine, she says. Minutes pass. What's going on today? You know, we're going to see your parents. Oh yeah, yeah, I say. I'm tired of sapping around. I hate this. I can swear it off, but I know I'll be right back here again in a week. Jen, this is it. I'm done doing this to myself, to us. I'm just glad you didn't drive home. But you know what I mean. It's over. Paul, I feel very bad for you. For me? Don't. I do. I hope that you will find a way out of this someday. Jen, I will. That is what I'm telling you. We both know now that promising is a daily occurrence for me. It's all I do. There's your car, she says. I stand outside her car, leaning down. I look her in the eye. I'm gonna do this. She says, okay, yeah, I know you will. She says without looking up, only to make me stop talking. Driving home that early Sunday morning in the bright sunshine, I realize this problem has taken me to new lows. The entirety of me is loneliness, huge regret, and that useless self-pity. At a stoplight, I bang on the steering wheel and cry out, End this shit! No matter how. I take a breath, look up to where I think God is, and I said, God, help me, please. The traffic signal changes to green. I make my left. 
A car directly in front of me makes a right turn on the same street at the same time. We are side by side now. Oh, what's this lady want? It's a guy, and he's waving his hands. He motions to me. Oh, no, this guy must have seen my tantrum. I speed a car length ahead of him. I'm hoping he will just stay back there, but it's not going to happen. Stepping away from the book, I'm going to pause right there and come back to it after my guest, Clint Hamill, and his coincidence. Things you must hear. Stay close. Hey, Clint, thank you so much for agreeing to do the Life After Lemons obstacle course. Well, I'm really excited. I, I listened to, after I talked to you, I listened to some of these podcasts that you've done, and I love it. What an inspirational story, and uh, all those stories that I heard, and there's just not enough positive energy going on out there uh, these days, and man, it's it's nice to see something um, uh, that makes you happy. Wow, thank you very much for saying that. I really appreciate it. I, you know, that was like one of the first things. I mean, it's such a crazy time. The first things that you and I talked about is something that, you know, you've been in recovery a long time, and we're going to get into it. And I, I, if you're listening, you you got to hang on to hear more from Clint, uh, his story, and where he works and what he's what he's up to. But that was a big thing. You were saying there's just a lot of negativity out there, and you know, uh, and a few other things. But tell me what you mean by that. Well, I mean the the environment that we're in right now it's just it's uh it's so i feel like it's so toxic and it's so easy to uh you know hate other people and other groups and everything else and that's one of the things about recovery that i really really love is that um there is no class there is no race there's nothing like that because we're all fighting one single thing and that's addiction and it, it, just being able to put a message out there that's positive about recovery um, is is really important. So yeah, you know, the uh, you know life or lemons. What is it called? Lemons. Life after lemons. Well, sorry, life after lemons. <laughs> I mean, great title, and uh, the the idea itself is great. And I hope people. I'm gonna I'm gonna share this with everybody. Good. Well, see, that's that's a right there, a positive for having you on for that. And I haven't even got to hear your story yet. But you're so right, man. Uh, people look, well, especially people that aren't dealing with addiction, they look on it, you know, they've been burned probably by some folks. And that happens. We all have, you know, and it's it can make you think that people don't ever recover or, or ever have the will, will to try recovery. Of course, it's not a disease of the will, as you and I both know, but uh, I, it is nice to have people that are happy and, and being good to each other. We, we don't have enough of that, do we? No, uh, no, no. And you, you hit one thing right on the head that, you know, I, I have to use air quotes, normal. So <laughs> quote unquote, normal people, um, they don't look at this as a disease. Um, they, it's, it's really more of, uh, of like a moral choice. Like, why is he doing, why is my loved one? Why is my husband? Why is my kid? Why is my wife? Why is my family member, why is my best friend? Why is he doing these stupid things? And it's not because, you know, uh, we chose to, you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't dream when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I wanted to be, uh, you know, Top Gun was out when I was a kid. So I wanted to be a fighter pilot um, or I wanted to be a golf pro because I love golf. And, you know, those were the things that I dreamed about being there. You know, I, I, I never dreamt of becoming an alcoholic or an addict. <laughs> 
Man, that's well put. It's true. Would you ever have guessed or or wanted to be here, even though it ends up being a good thing for you? Exactly. I mean, no, no. The fact that I am, and I've told you this before, um, I I wear my recovery like like a badge of honor. I don't shy away from it. Today, life is no longer um, this this constant worry about what I can't do anymore. The only focus that I have nowadays is, you know, I want to tackle everything that I can do, and I can do anything. Um, so that it's it's a it's a very freeing experience. I'm 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 grateful to be where I am. I'm I'm lucky that I'm uh, in recovery. If if the things that had happened to me in the past hadn't happened, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I'll tell you, I, I'm a better, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better son. Um, I'm a better friend than I ever would have been um, had I not gone through what I went through. So, do I look back and regret? No, not anymore. Wow, wow, well put, my friend. That is really cool. I'm so glad I got to meet you. Tell me a little bit what it was like for you uh, back there when you were mucking it up. Well, I mean, so I, I came from like a upper middle class family. I didn't, I wasn't supposed to be an alcoholic or an addict. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I, I it, it's a, uh, it hits everybody. That's what I said. It doesn't matter about class or socioeconomic, anything, race, nothing. It doesn't make any difference. Um, I didn't, I shouldn't have been uh, an alcoholic, but I, I, I am. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of tell a little story. You do I, it. You go ahead. I remember when I was, uh, I don't remember a whole lot of being four years old, but that's when my parents got divorced. Um, mm. and I had to go, it wasn't, it was kind of a, it was, it was a rough divorce. Um, and I, I remember having to go to the courthouse and this is in, uh, the seventies, late seventies. So the judge back in those days asked, you know, I, I remember going into the judge's chambers, a very intimidating judge sitting there with a big back chair mm-hmm. behind him. And I'm sitting in this metal little blue chair and or big, big at the time uh, chair. <laughs> and, you know, ultimately he asked me, um, who do you want to live with? And that's a tough thing for a four year old have to decide. Right. So there I am sitting in this yeah. blue chair having to decide you know, do I want to go live with my mom or my dad? And without knowing really what I wanted to answer, I said, I I guess my mom. And so there I was, uh, uh, I made that decision. I remember my dad took me to my mom's house after that court date and dropped me off. And I remember seeing a tear in my dad's eye and that's the first time I'd seen that. Right. And so, Mm. um, I lived with making the decision like I, well, I don't love my dad as much as I love my mom. So here I go and I'm going to go stay with mom. And it was, it, it was kind of a weird thing. So that yeah. that's that started off like the emotional side of things, and uh, it was really heartbreaking. So, you know, fifteen, I start drinking, uh, get drunk for the first time at fourteen or fifteen. I remember me and a buddy raiding the liquor cabinet when Dad was gone. Um, then I played my parents back and forth uh, because I'm a liar and a manipulator. That's what alcohol <laughs> taught me. You know, I'm, yes. a, I'm a liar and a manipulator. So that's what I did, and I played them back and forth for the for years and. Um, you know, I, I drank heavily, um, started using drugs about 21, but at one point I crossed over this imaginary line, um, that all of us cross over when uh, all of us alcoholics and addicts, we cross over this imaginary line of before it was fun. Then we cross over this imaginary line and then it's not fun anymore. Hmm. Right. And True. 
you can never go back over that line. Once you've crossed it, you can never go back. Once you've become a pickle, you can never be a cucumber again. <laughs> so I had crossed over that line. Um, fast forward, I'd, you know, I, I went, I got a golf scholarship to play golf in college, alcoholic throughout the whole time, uh, drugs and everything. Then, um, after college, I, um, got a job, uh, as an assistant golf pro did that for four years. Um, I remember sleeping in the, in the locker rooms after drinking all night, waking up, buying, just buying a new, buying new clothes off the rack the next day and taking a shower at the clubs and stuff like that. So miserable. Um, but somehow I got through that. Then I realized I couldn't make enough money doing that. So I got into the insurance business, went to a couple of different insurance firms, got my license and all that stuff. And, you know, got fired from the first one from a, for a DUI, second one from a DUI, um, went into selling copiers, got fired from that job from a DUI, got another job with a different copier company, got that, got fired for that one for a DUI. So if you, if you're counting, that's four (laughs) DUIs. I had one more after that too. Wow. Uh, So five DUIs, the last one um, put me in County jail for 85 days, at which point the uh, state's attorney decided to turn into aggravated felony DUI. So there you go. I've got a felony on my record and I will forever. Um, So I am a felon too. Um, you know, 85 days in jail. Um, at that point I was working construction, pretty much looking out the window all the time. Cause I always knew I had a warrant out for my arrest. And so life wasn't very fun. Um, <laughs> so I remember getting cuffed the last time in the back of the cop car thinking, well, this is it. And so they told me you're either going to, I was 85 days in jail. They said, you're either going to go to, uh, two to seven years in prison or you can go to rehab. Well, duh. <laughs> you know, um, so I go, uh, I'm waiting for a bed at gateway foundation for 85 days. And, uh, finally a uh, bed comes up and I go there. I had four hours to get from jail to gateway. And there I sat in gateway. And, and like I said before, I'm a liar and a manipulator. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell these, um, professional counselors, um, what they want to hear. I'm going to BS my way through everything because I'm a liar and a manipulator and I'm really good at it. So <laughs> they're, they're, they're not going to see through me at all. I can fool them. Right. So <laughs> there I go. Uh, but four days into this, um, the outside AA group, Alcoholics Anonymous group comes in and every Sunday and Monday night, AA comes into the gateway facility. So, um, this guy, Jason K was chairing the meeting and he's got this like gruff smoker's voice. And I had never been to an AA meeting before, so I didn't know what to expect. And he says, uh, I like vodka and cocaine and blah, blah, blah. And he starts going, <laughs> he starts going down this whole list, this crazy stuff that he did and, and how he lost all these jobs and just the whole story that he had. And I'm sitting there going, wow. Okay. Me too. Me too. <laughs> me too. Everything that he said, it was like hitting me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, holy crap. I- I'd never heard anything like this before. Real people talking about really same thing that I've been doing for 20 years. Mm. And then he says the magic words. He says, if you want what we, and they, they stop for a second. I, I start looking around the room and there's 20 outside AA group people in there mm. that came in from the outside to hold their meeting inside my facility. And I noticed that all of them looked happy and they were clean and smelled good. And they had families that loved them and they had cars and they had jobs and uh, they had houses and every, all the things that they had, I wanted, I, I wanted all that so bad. So Jason says the magic words. If you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. 
come up and talk to one of us after the meeting. Mm. So four days into treatment, I'm both BSing my way through this whole thing. I didn't have any plans on uh, actually going through with any of this. He says all this stuff. I listen to what he says and he says, come talk to us. And I, and, and so I did, I went up and talked to him right after the meeting and I said, man, can you help me out? And he said, sure. So I started working the steps um, while I was in treatment and that moment right there completely turned my life changed my life forever. Mm. And mm. So, it hit you right between the eyes, didn't yeah, it? Right I, there. And, and, and I finally got it. And so kind of the, you know, full circle here, um, out of gateway treatment, fast forward eight years of recovery. I, I went back to the sales field and, you know, did, did very well. I was fine. Uh, sobriety was much easier. Recovery is much easier life than, um, addiction. So, mm-hmm. um, for eight years, I'm fine. About two years ago, I'm, I'm on, uh, uh, zip recruiter and I see this position open for business development coordinator at gateway foundation. I'm like, wow, I wonder if that's my old place. So I look it up and it is. So I take a shot and, um, send in my application and resume. I get a phone call from Chicago. They, uh, f- the phone interview goes well. Um, the guy comes down to Caseyville where I was in treatment and I met with him there for a personal interview, personal interview went well, boom, I get the job as business development coordinator for gateway foundation. And then I start working and business development is basically just that I'm trying to develop relationships with businesses, you know, whether it's legal, whatever lawyers, Mm -hmm. um, uh, treatments, other treatment providers, uh, therapists, counselors, all that stuff. Well, judges is one of the things that uh, I would, uh, one of my target groups. And in Bond County, the judge, the state's attorney who gave me the felony um, had become the judge, circuit <laughs> judge in Bond County. So I call him up and and I, I, I talk to him. I know him very well. He's a good friend of mine now. Um, but I call him up and said, hey, listen, um, you guys don't have a drug court. Can I come in and sit down and talk to you about you know, trying to put something together to help these people rather than throwing them in jail and locking them up. Let's see if we can get them help and see if we can get them on the same path that I am because we do recover. And he says, that sounds awesome. Come on in. So here I go in to Bond County courthouse, go up and I go into the judge's chambers and there's my buddy, Chris, the judge sitting in that high back chair. And he says, have a seat. So I sit down and we start talking and then I start looking around the room thinking, Oh my God, this is the same room and I'm here and I look down and I'm sitting in the same blue chair Mm, mm. that I sat in when I was four years old and I'm talking to the judge in his high back chair in the same exact room. It was chilling. And, and, uh, and, and I, and I realized, my God, you know, somebody's doing something here. This isn't just fate, right? This is fate. Some, something's going on here. And I'm sitting here where I sat for when I was four years old, talking to in the same chair, talking to the judge about trying to help people and trying to save lives. How, how crazy is that? So, you know, there's something more going on than just, uh, you know, me and me and a job. Wow. That is uh, unbelievable. You said full circle. And I thought this is going to be incredible if you were in the same room when, you know, you had the DUIs or where you were dealing with that, but you go Oh my gosh! All the way back to when you were four years old, probably one of the uh, more tra- the most traumatic uh, original incident of your life. And, oh my 
gosh, unbelievable. You're right. There has got to be a poetry, a, a design for all of this. If, if there's anything in the world, I mean, that is an incredible thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get chills when I, when I just talk about, when I talk about it, I still get chills. It's uh, it was pretty powerful and, Boy, at that point, if I didn't if I didn't know before, uh, at that point, I knew I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, that is Clint Hamill. We're talking on Life After Lemons. I'm Paul Cook, and what a story! If you if you're joining us now, you got to go back a little bit and hear that. That is uh, just really cool. So you've been at Gateway Foundation for uh, over two years now. Yeah, uh, in April it'll be two years. Oh my gosh. And I love that you went for it. I mean, there is a ton of people, you know, we learn and depending on the program, you know, and I think I know yours, you mentioned it. We learn you've got to, you've got to, that's your cause now, you know, you, to, in order to keep this and to not need substances every day, you've got to give it away. You've got to try to help others. And so many people, you know, get that sales job, like you said, and you, you did really well and they just stick with that, you know, and, to, to have you continue on in the way you have and make it part of your life, I'm sure it's an incredible gift to you, but it's also, uh, I think, brave and, and there's a lot of courage to go out there and be around this. I'll tell you what, um, I, I'm not going to, I'm not a brave man, um, but what I, what I will say is that there is, there is no feeling like seeing the light come on in somebody's eyes who's been in the dark for as long as I was. Um, I've been 20 years in the dark. Some people don't spend that long. Um, I like to say bottom is, is just when you stop digging and I want to just take the shovel out of people's hands. That's, that's what my goal is. But I mean, do, I mean, do you know anyone? I mean, honest question. Do you know anyone who doesn't have a family member or a close friend that ha- that suffers from substance abuse? No, I mean, it, it's, I used to say that a while back and I thought, God, I wonder if I'm uh, kind of reaching here, but it's so true. I mean, yeah. especially now, but everyone is affected. It, you're right. We're the, we're by far the largest group of unheard people in the United States, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, everybody knows about cancer uh, and what to do. Everybody knows about diabetes. Everybody knows about AIDS. Everybody knows about COVID-19. Um yeah, two thirds of the families in America have been touched by addiction, and nobody knows what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's the deal. Um, I, I I it's unbelievable that I can walk somebody. I, I'm I get to walk somebody in the door on the worst day of their life, and then a few months down the road, see them at an alumni meeting and see the lights back on in, in their eyes. It's that there's no amount of money that that can compare to the feeling that you get whenever, whenever you get to see that. Wow. You, what a great image, the lights back on in their eyes. And it's true. Their eyes are brighter. You know, there's just a darkness, a, a, a sad haze that we can all relate to when we first came around that goes away. And what a, what an amazing rebirth. You know, when we met last week, you were talking about, you know, you answer the phone, man. You you are on the conversations with these these parents and people and mates and all that, and that is an incredible reward. You you've heard some stories, I bet. Oh yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing we talked about it before. I, I've got a drunk log. I could tell you about all the crazy things I did, but that doesn't do any good. What does good is telling somebody I've been where you are, and I know how to I know how to help that that's what's important. It's not, 
It's not how crazy things got. It's I know how you feel. I can be in a room. I can be in a room. We have 44 bed facility where I in my place there in Caseyville. And when I go into the rooms and sit in there and talk to groups of 40, 40 plus people, I can talk to them in a different in, in a different way than I can talk to any of the quote unquote normal people, even my family. I can't talk to my family like I can talk to them because there's a certain bond that I have with them. And they understand it because they're fighting the same thing I'm fighting. And you know this too. It, you, I can talk to you. I can talk to people in recovery. I can talk mm-hmm. to people in recovery a different way than I can talk to normal people. And that keeps me grounded in what I need to be doing every day, right? That's what I need. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For your own recovery. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I know there's so many reasons for that. I've thought a lot about that. We've been in the trenches together. You know, we know what it's like to just not feel right and think I'm always going to feel this way. You know, what do you say to the people? I think I know the answer, but what do you say to the people that think Clint Hamill is special? Not many people recover. You know, that's great, but I don't think I could do it. Um, I'll tell you what. I am the least special person you'll ever know, Paul. I promise you that. <laughs> there's no there's no question about it. I'm the least special person in the world. I was told one thing. See, here's what here's what um, Jason Kay in the first meeting I was ever at, and this is what made me decide to at least give it 100% because, um, I, I mean, I, at that point I'm in rehab or whoever I'm talking to, at that point I'm at the lowest point, right? And they mm-hmm. said, if you do three things – you will never have to drink or drug again. And that was a powerful statement because he didn't say, if you do three things, you won't drink or drug again. He said, you won't have to drink or drug again. And that's true because true you have to when you're an addict or an alcoholic. You don't have right. a choice. You have to. So he said, if you do these three things, you don't ever have to drink or drug again. He said, if you go to meetings, if you work the steps, and if you um, have a sponsor, you will never have to drink again. If you're actively doing those three things, not one, don't just go to meetings because mm-hmm. if you just go to meetings, you don't have a sponsor work to study, it don't work. And if you uh, go to, if you stop going to meetings, obviously it's not going to work. But if you, if you just work three steps and you don't do the step four or step five, <laughs> that doesn't work either. Uh, if you try to do the steps on your own without a sponsor, that doesn't work either. Sponsoring yourself. I've tried that, by the yeah. way. <laughs> I tried it too. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, it doesn't work. So he said, he promised me a 100% um, fail, fail, fail-proof way of staying sober for the rest of your life. If you go to meetings, work the steps with a sponsor, you will stay sober. And uh, I said, okay, I'll try it. Well, it's almost 11 years. And I haven't, uh, I haven't ever uh, gone back. Wow. That is amazing, man. That is so cool. What does your family think of you? I mean, I, it's, it's embarrassing. It, <laughs> it is because they, I, I think uh, my family and friends think a, a lot more of me than I think of myself. And it's, it's embarrassing whenever they talk about, I can't believe you've been sober that long. And I can't believe your life, how big your life, how much your life's changed. I don't see it like that. Um, it's just, I'm not, I'm not flashy. I don't, uh, I don't mm. seek, I don't seek attention and, or any of that stuff. I'm passionate. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to shy away from the discussion. Um, and whenever I'm in front of a parent who's, who's got a, a kid that's struggling or, or if I'm front of, in front of someone who's 
you know, maybe going to jail if they don't, uh, if they don't get their life straight, or if I'm just in front of someone who's just had enough, man, I'll talk for hours and, and, and I'll do anything I can to help them. And that's, that's all that I do. I, I don't do anything else. Um, I want them to, I want them, I want them to get help. There's a, you know, the stats are crazy. About Tell 600, me. Uh, like $600 billion a year, over $600 billion a year is lost just due to um, you know, all of the, the drugs and alcohol, the, the, mm. the problems with it. So over $400 billion in lost wages, $50, $60 billion in increased health care costs, um, over $100 billion in criminal justice, ex- justice expenses. So that's a $600 billion a year. 98% of those costs go to cleaning up the mess caused by addiction. Wow. So, but only 2% of it goes to preventing and treating it like a health problem. So yeah. there's a disconnect there. And so t- uh, almost 11 years ago when I was in treatment, I was in there for uh, the average stay was 90 days. I was in there for 107 because I'm, I was really messed up, but <laughs> nowadays we're lucky to have them in there for 30 days and we're fighting with insurance companies every day to make sure that they can stay longer. So, you know, it, it's tougher. Um, mm-hmm. th- these counselors have a, a third of the time that they used to have to get, to get, to, to, to get deep, deep enough into this problem with every specific person to get them the treatment that they need. It's just, it's just not long enough. I know. And how many things are categorized under, let's say, heart attack? Really, it was alcoholism or mm-hmm. drugs. You know, I mean, all these things are, you know, who knows what texting and driving even could you could have been buzzed. You know, there, there's so many things. And then that lost productivity, like you said, if if the government or companies could have a little more vision, they would save so much money, you know, uh, on the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, I talk to companies a lot. I talk to different industries. And when I talk to them, I say, listen, uh, it's it's 10 to 1. You spend $1 on prevention and treatment for people that are struggling with substance abuse. You get $10 back off that. If anybody, if, if any of your employees would come into you and say, I have a problem and you send them to treatment, they're going to come back and be better employees than they would be if you went out and fired them and, ha- and, and rehired. It mm-hmm. costs three times more to rehire somebody and train them for the position and do all that stuff than it does to get treatment for the person that you already have. And when you get them back, they're a more loyal, um, more, more concerned about their job and they're appreciative to the company that actually helped them get sober. So it, it, it's just, there's not enough light shined on that. You know, uh, how how many, how, how many news stories do you hear I mean, do you ever really hear very many news stories about somebody celebrating 10, 20, 50 years of recovery? Never. Never. No, hear that. But now the flip side of that, how many stories do you hear about people that are just a mess? Whitney Houston, Chris Farley, Charlie Sheen, Lindsay Lohan, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the list is on and on and on. We don't need any more celebrities telling us about how they've destroyed their lives. We need celebrities who can step forward and say, Hey, my name is blank and I'm a person in long-term recovery and what that means to them. And then tell that story. And I don't know if they would do that, if if we would have more of that, and that's why what you're doing right now, Paul is honestly is an unbelievable service because people need to hear that we do recover and life Mm. is good on the other side of this. Mm. 
Mm. Clint Hamill, Life After Lemons. It's Paul Cook. Well, the thing is, you're doing it too, because I wouldn't be here if you weren't. (laughs) I could just be pontificating. But stories like yours, stories in general, connect us. And to see what has happened in your life is amazing. But it is so darn frustrating uh, that those stories are not told more. And people that are needing a substance every day to feel right are doing it alone, you know, and thinking, well, you know, I don't want to point the finger at me. Then I look like I'm a bad guy and, you know, maybe I'll never get well. Or how about this one, Clint? I'll, I'll get sober in a couple months and then COVID happens, you know, like, (laughs) oh my God, now we're doing everything on zoom. and And that is wonderful and more accessible in many ways. But speak to that a little bit as a guy, a specialist on the front lines at Gateway, what about during COVID and the challenges there? So it, that's a great question. And I'm uh, 10 years, of, almost 11 years of sobriety. That that puts me in the stage of an old timer mm-hmm. around the table. So um, it's hard to not be what I just said around the tables anymore. Uh, there are a few meetings that are still meeting in person, but uh, the vast majority of stuff has has gone to online. It Let's talk about the good. It gives unbelievable opportunities to be part of meetings that you never would ever, ever be able to be a part of. I was in a meeting in Australia. Okay. Um, It was great hearing the accent. So uh, I encourage people to reach out of their comfort zones and and look at different meetings that you never would have thought of being in. Um, Buddy of mine said that he got on a meeting in LA uh, and then, and I, I, I can't remember what celebrity, but one of them, like a Charlie Sheen or somebody was at the meeting on Zoom. <laughs> you know? So how cool is that? There's some cool stuff out there. Um, mm-hmm. All of our outpatient programs. Um, so w- what we do is a continuum. Most places do this, but we're, we're really good at it. First of all, it's not hard. And you, you understand this. It's not hard to get sober. It's hard to stay sober. Mm. Okay. Um, and that's what we really excel in at Gateway, um, the full continu- continuum of care. Like I talked about door to door, I'm bringing somebody at their worst day, bringing them into treatment. And then I get to see them later down the road. But we use like the nine evidence based practices like CB, CBD yeah. and D- DBT and the 12 step facilitation. But we also mm-hmm. have alumni groups that yeah. start after as, as soon as you get out, you're automatically a member of the alumni and then you get to, you get the gateway connect app and you're, you're hooked up. So you're, you're around people in recovery all the time. And that's important wow. because you need to be around people in recovery. So, and then after treatment inpatient, which we're still open and we're still, still taking clients on all of our locations, but after inpatient, you're, you need to go to outpatient because like I said, when I was there, it was 90 days. Um, now it's only 30 days and you need to, you need to stay up with, with some serious help with a counselor. So, you know, you're going to stay in there. And so that's, that's the hard part. It's not hard to get sober. It's hard to stay sober. And we really want to keep you sober and and we're going to reach out to you and make sure that you have all the, all the tools necessary to do that. That's the hard part. So yeah, man, that's great. Yeah. The virtual part of the world, like you talked about nowadays with COVID, we are doing all of our virtual, all of our groups and outpatient virtually. And I've run some of those groups and I'm telling you, it's really fun. You have a, you, it's just like you would be sitting around a table. There's people that are kind of just not really doing anything. And there's people that are really running the meeting. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a great, 
It's a great platform. Um, cool. I miss face to face because I don't know if you're if you go to meetings, but that that's kind of a fun thing for me. I need that. Yeah. Right. You feel it. You can feel it more, you know, but you're right. There are some great advantages. I I did one this morning and it had to go back online after, you know, the new restrictions. And I even said it then, like, I feel bad for the guy that has pushed off his recovery. And then this hit, you know, not that you can't recover. Gosh, thank God for places like Gateway Foundation. But I can it's more difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's one, excuse me, one of the things that. Sure. One of the things that I, that I really like to like to talk about is that everybody is going through something different in their recovery or in their addiction. Um, so, as Gateway, we've got we've got fourteen locations, but in throughout Illinois, but we've split some things up to really focus on different areas. So we have uh, we have a program called Her Story, which is just women's trauma. Um, mm. That's a big number. Uh, we have a triumph program. It's called triumph and that's just for professionals. So you can actually take your laptop in and actually get some work done laptops and, and cell phones. So wow. if you own a business and you can't just up and leave for 30 days, we yeah. understand that. So we have a professionals group. We have a, an AUD program, which is, um, um, alcohol, alcohol only program. So you're not in a group with that's a mix of everything. It's just alcoholics. Um, we also have an LGBTQ plus program up in Lake Villa um, that's facilitated by members of that community. So wow. the, every everything is so we can really zone in and focus on different points. And then we actually have a sober living house where um, if you've got nothing, which a lot of people do at that point, have nothing, um, we can help you get your life back uh, in a safe, sober living environment where you can start working, start putting your life back together before you, you know, take off the training wheels and go back out. <laughs> Man, you said it. Well, how can we, somebody listening, what's your website or how can someone look into what you guys are up to? Get a yeah. Hold of you. Gatewayfoundation.org. Um, okay. We also have the uh, 800 number, um, 877-505-HOPE. And then I'm just going to give you and all your listeners my personal number, which is uh, 618-314-4055. Wow. Anybody, anybody that wants anybody that anybody that is struggling whatsoever, um, they're welcome to call me at any time of the day, day or night, weekends. My phone never leaves my side. Um, there's 24 million of us in recovery out there living a life, right? Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's 25 million people out there that need help. And mm. my phone, there, there's my number. Call me if you do. That's a first. There, there's a first on Life After Lemons. Clint Hamill gives his home, his his phone number, even more than his home, his sidearm phone, his phone number to his cell phone. That is really amazing and such a useful, useful resource for anybody struggling right now. Oh gosh. So tell me, uh, you know, it, what is the process? And I don't know if everybody knows you guys are nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Um, and, and we're big, so we didn't get any, uh, bailout or any help anywhere. So, um, mm. we are a nonprofit. We've been around for 52 years. We know how to do this. Um, mm. my CEO is in recovery himself, an awesome guy. Um, my, my executive director at my facility in Caseyville, 
Um, he's been in the industry for 25 plus years. All the, all the executive directors at all the different places, um, have been at their positions for quite a long time. Our, uh, president of our commercial division is also in recovery. Awesome guy too. I, I couldn't be happier with the people I work with and the, and the job that they do. But as far as those people, yes, they're important. What's really important is master's level, um, counselors that we have. Mm. those are my heroes because they did for me what I couldn't do for myself. And, you know, we are a co-occurring facility. So that means like mental health and substance abuse disorder. Um, Mm. So co-occurring, I had a lot of anger issues that I didn't realize that I had before I got the gateway. Right. Mm. Um, That was my thing. Anger. Didn't know know how to, I didn't know how to figure out those things, but that that's the co-occurring part of the treatment that I went through. I learned a lot about myself and it's sometimes it's the only time in our entire lives that we have that much time to just focus on getting better ourselves. Hmm. And that's, that's the power of it. Yeah, um, going, into, going into treatment shouldn't be scary. Um, going into treatment, whether it's outpatient or inpatient treatment, it's, it's an opportunity. It's not something that you have to be ashamed of. It's an opportunity to take control of your life for the first time in years. Yeah. And there's that, that's a, that's a powerful move and you know, it it doesn't work for everybody, but that's what I tell them when they're in treatment is that, listen, if it doesn't work this time, just have the courage to, to come back in, just have the courage to, to, to come back in because for, for everyone, it doesn't work the first time. I've got people in there that have been into five, six, seven, eight, 10 different, different facilities, um, 10 different times. Um, but that are getting it now. And that's mm-hmm. all that's important is, is that they will recover. You can recover. Wow. Clint Hamill, you said it, uh, people are on the different path, you know, we're in our recovery at some point or another, you might be, you, you never know which time it might be the one that sticks or one like it was with you such an incredible story again gatewayfoundation.org you're in caseyville it, do you travel around 13 in illinois huh yes 14 um, 14 yeah we've got we've got we it doesn't matter where you are um we're we're going to have some place for you all the way up to the tip top uh, by uh the, the very top of chicago all the way down to the to carbondale um wow we take we take ninety eight percent of the insurance. If, if you've got personal insurance, we take it. Um, if it's government yeah. if it's government funded insurance, we take that too. So um, it doesn't matter what you have. If you don't have anything at all, we well, we can still we can still help by um, some of the grants that the state has. So wow, huge! That is huge, man. Uh, well, you still bad. there? Well, we're not bad people. We're just sick people. Man, I'm you, you just said a ton, my friend. And, you know, I always heard that humility is not thinking, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And that's you, buddy. I know you'll you'll be embarrassed. I said that. But Clint Hamill, thank you so much from Gateway Foundation. That was an honor, Paul. Thank you for the opportunity, really. Good. Well, we're going to have to have you back and uh, be a regular and let us know how you guys are doing at Gateway and how everybody's doing. Anytime, man. So well articulated by Clint Hamill, his story dying to be a book as well. And I can imagine the things he would tell you that would have such wisdom in the area of recovery. 
Okay, back to my book, Cooked in L.A., 10-year anniversary. Here's a low moment, bright and early Sunday morning, totally distraught, trying to drive home through my own self-pity. You can probably guess the coincidence ready to happen. After a couple blocks, he pulls even with me and gestures again. My gosh. I cautiously look over. It is Johnny, my childhood drinking buddy who found recovery and happiness. There's no way it's him. This guy moved to Kansas City four months ago. Why is he here? He's motioning for me to pull over. With tears in my eyes, I pull over to a parking lot. Just our two cars occupy the lot. His window comes down. Hey, buddy, you don't look too good. Johnny, what the hell are you doing out this early? And in St. Louis, he gets out of his car and into mine. I'm not sure, but it looks like you need some help, he says. I I can't believe you're here. Johnny puts his arm around me. He knows where I am. He's been there. I can't do this anymore, I cry. He says, I know. I'm just so damn beat up. As I cry, I still can't believe Johnny's here. Until now, I had always tried to paint my drug and alcohol use as something that didn't really bother me, something very light. But now he knows the truth. I just can't stop. It can be done, man. Look at me, I stopped. (laughs) You are a miracle. Being here right now is a miracle, Johnny. Yep, it is. He's just so low-key. God, I can't believe it. You wouldn't believe what I was doing right before seeing you. Oh, I saw you. How about we get you to a meeting tonight? Okay. That night, Johnny has a guy he sponsors in a 12-step program take me to another meeting. The speaker is amazing. His charisma cuts through. I sit there and again cry in my seat. This happens a lot. Okay, that's the end of this part I wanted to read to you. Can you believe he showed up? If you were there, it was even more extraordinary. I asked for help, and it pulled around the corner, first thinking it was a lady. Coincidences happen to me every single day. Not as profound, but they happen to you as well. I'm not special. Try doing it someone else's way if you're in a situation even close to what I was feeling. The details are never the exact same, but the feelings are. Thanks again for listening to Life After Lemons. You can always contact me if you need to as well. You got Clint's cell phone. I'm Paul at Y98.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.